Vegas Inc. Radio. I'm Dellen Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing lots of real estate deals that have rocked the valley recently and new hope for Boulder City Hospital. But first, we turn to the strip and some gaming news. I'm here with reporter Ed Comenda, who will be talking about union struggles with casino resorts, new hiring for Bally Technologies, and a high-limit slot machine that not everybody can play. Welcome, Ed. Thanks for having me. So let's talk unions first. Um, the last month has been pretty contentious on the Strip with these labor battles. Mm-hmm. Um, the big news that uh, a lot of our listeners have probably heard about is Cosmo. You were there for the protest. Tell us what you saw. Yeah, the uh, Culinary 226 uh, local in Vegas, they uh, had about 2,000 picketers uh, along Las Vegas Boulevard last week, and they were supporting some 100 um, uh, members who plan to get arrested in solidarity for uh, their fellow members at the Cosmo have been working without a contract for close to two years. And it was the first major demonstration uh, of that size in a number of years. So they're, they're really serious about it. And this is reminiscent of the old days of Vegas where they shut down properties downtown and on yeah, the Strip. Absolutely. Um, it, resorts that had unions in place, if they couldn't come to agreement, you heard a lot about strikes, which really did slam uh, business on the Strip because they refused to work until they came to an agreement. Um, Palace Stations has been in ongoing fights with, with the union. Uh, they can't come to an agreement. Um, Venetian doesn't want anything to do. We know Sh- uh, Shuttle uh, Sheldon Adelson doesn't want anything to do with the unions. And here we are at the Cosmo, um, where they're, they're trying to figure out this whole mess. And it just seems to be uh, ongoing. Uh, so. And the Cosmopolitan's owned, owned by Deutsche Bank. Right. And um, it's been an ongoing escalation that this was the latest tactic. They had been doing sort of more peaceful. I don't want to say peaceful because this wasn't violent, but less... Right. Uh, right. They, they had picketed uh, twice uh, last month uh, within a, a week's time. And that didn't get any... It, negotiations were stalled completely. Nobody was saying anything to anybody. Uh, so they decided to escalate it to... Um, uh, an act of civil disobedience is what they called it, uh, going to jail um, to to get their message across. So that's that's where we're at right now. Um, it's actually kind of interesting because at the same time this is happening, uh, MGM and Caesars is uh, they're preparing to uh, open table discussions for a new contract with Culinary Two Twenty Six, and that's set to happen April fifth. So it's hard to tell how it's going to go. Um, you know, MGM, I, I talked to some people there last week who said that it's usually like Thanksgiving dinner. You know, they they always sit down, it's cordial, they they say what they want and they pound something out, but it's hard to tell if it's going to be that easy this time around. Do you think they gained momentum because the culinary feels empowered or has a track record of being able to strike? Do you think that'll lead to more contentious talks this year? Uh, I, think it, I think it does. You know, um, historically, and uh, unions... They like being unions because of that confidence that comes with uh, strolling around the strip in large numbers. And uh, but that doesn't really have anything to say about how uh, successful they'll be in pounding out a contract. If if resorts don't have the cash or means to to, to give them their contracts, they're they're not going to get what they want. You know. So that's that's where we're at right now. We don't know. Um, 
And as we see with the Cosmo, it's been two years. They're working without a contract. So Absolutely. just because there's not a contract in place doesn't mean things are going to come grinding to a halt. No, no. Um, absolutely. It, it seems like it'll keep going. I mean, uh, Culinary 226 has workers uh, in several other resorts as well. And uh, the, the people who, who were arrested last week, they actually didn't work at the Cosmo. They came from places like the Riviera and the Mirage where the workers do have contracts and they do feel more secure. And they're saying, you know, um, they were out there just because, you know, Culinary 226 uh, members aren't second-class citizens. They need job security. Uh, they need this. But, you know, those people are happy where they're at. And, um, you know, they're, they're going <laughs> to... It's, it's going to keep going. It's not like... I, I, don't, I don't foresee business on the strip coming to a halt because of... Uh, these contentious relationships because uh, it's going to keep going. So, Well, and the powers that be certainly wouldn't let that happen. No, 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 I don't think so. And what was the scene like? I mean, were they literally sitting in the middle of Las Vegas Boulevard? What did the cars do? What did, were tourists doing? Well, it was interesting. I got there um, as picketers were starting to um, uh, congregate on the towers just outside and between uh, the Cosmo and the Strip, or the other, uh, the other side of Las Vegas Boulevard. And... Um, there were a lot of people. I mean, if you just stood there for a second and just listened, the the power behind you know, the loudness of their voices kind of raises the hair on your neck a little bit. You know, they're all there for the same reason. You know, to to put their message across. Um, there were police already in place before the uh, demonstrators sat in the middle of the street and planned to get arrested. There were cops on horses. There were plastic. Um, uh, barricades uh, surrounding the, the curb so that picketers can hang their signs over it. Um, it, it was it was. I, I actually stood in the middle of Las Vegas Boulevard because traffic had stopped um, in that direction for for uh, at least an hour, and just to watch the hands waving and to hear it, it was it was quite something. Uh, even the police officers had several of the police officers had video cameras, and they were documenting the evening and. You know, they, I've seen a couple smiles on their faces because it's not so often you see Las Vegas Boulevard um, shut down. Absolutely. So it was something to see. Well, great. We'll have to have you on next week to tell us what comes of these yes, talks. absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's uh, switch course a little bit and talk about some, I guess, better news. Uh, the way, depending on how you look at it, Bally Technologies on the upside is hiring. They have, I think, a hundred plus positions to fill. On the maybe not so upside, is they can't seem to find the labor that they need here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. What are they doing about that? Uh, well, Bally Technologies, as we know, is is one of the leading uh, tech providers and developers uh, here in Vegas. Um, you could find pieces of their equipment in the majority of uh, resorts uh, along the Strip. Uh, They have these high-tech positions open, uh, content developers, mobile app developers, software engineers, Um, but their uh, HR department says that the applications that have been coming in uh, haven't been as good as they, they'd hoped. So this week, actually today, on Wednesday, they actually are planning on um, going to San Francisco for the Game Developers Conference to possibly recruit some of the top dogs from companies like Sony uh, Computer Entertainment and Electronic Arts, these companies that are huge in developing um, video games and, and mobile apps. Um, they're hoping to, to pull some people off those teams to join their team because they need, I'm assuming they have a lot of projects they want to get done. And um, they're, they're just not getting the applications they're looking for. So, And the Game Developers Conference is one of the leading... Yes. In the industry, 20,000 people attend, so yeah. hopefully they'll find some good talent. Yeah, they say that it's a, it's quite the, the resume shop, and there, there are people that are looking for jobs, and they know that that's a place to go if um, 
they, they, they want to maybe hop on a company that's that's looking for for talent as Bally is doing now um, but you know uh, well actually Bally said that they've uh, they've hired people from this conference before many of whom still are on the payroll and they're still developing games at this moment so it's been a success in the past for sure and these are good jobs I mean especially given our, our rough economy in the last couple of years and here in Vegas a lot of people are happy to have a job or in search of a job it's it's 50,000 up? Yeah. uh, um, HR, I talked with them earlier this week, and they say, um, you know, a kid straight out of undergrad can can make anywhere from 50 to 60,000. Someone with a master's degree uh, in some of these uh, high-tech software development systems, they could make, you know, 70 to 80. And then people with five years plus experience, they can make closer to six figures, $100,000. So there's some really good jobs. They just want to they're looking for the right people, people from MIT and Princeton and uh, Stanford. So they're really trying to get the best of the best, I guess. That's what, that's what they're saying. They're, um, they're saying they want the world-class talent is the way they say it. They want the best people on their team, uh, and that's what they're looking for. So. And I know just in conversations um, in our office, they also recruit a lot from overseas. My understanding is they're one of the top uh, – users of visas to bring in international talent? Right. They bring in international talent. Uh, they also bring in um, local talent sometimes. Uh, UNLV has the, the International Gaming School, which uh, trains their um, their students to, to use these types of programs. And there are several people on staff now that are from or, or have went to school in Las Vegas. So you, you get a quite a mix, you know. Well, kids, if you're listening, go to UNLV and become a game programmer and you can get a good job when you get yeah, out. absolutely. Uh, do you think this is going to be the trend? I mean, are, are jobs being created faster than they can fill them? It- uh, absolutely. And I, I, one of the biggest things uh, that's happening right now and is going to continue to happen for the next few years is this online gaming uh, development. We don't know exactly where it's going, but we know it's happening. And they need people to figure out where it's going. And they need people to figure out how it's going to go. So uh, I, I have a feeling you're going to see a lot more openings like this uh, at other companies as well. And I, I would assume as these games get more complex now, they have sound systems and vibrating chairs, and I can yeah. only imagine what they're working on that Ab- we don't know about. Absolutely. And then, you know, mixing technologies as well. You know, you have television screens uh, that you could watch two different shows or several different shows at the same time, and to throw that into a slot machine where you could play slots and watch the NCAA tournament and then bet on the game mid-spin. Um, they need people who are... Um, I'm <laughs> pretty in tune with the with their uh, with their skill set. So, yeah. Well, interesting. We'll have to hopefully they'll find some good talent out there. Yeah, hopefully. Talking about um, slot machines, if you are a high roller and among the highest of rollers, the Venetian has a slot machine that is up to five thousand dollars a spin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, the Venetian has this um, uh, high limit slots parlor. Um, which is across from the Sands uh, poker room at the Venetian. And uh, I went there earlier this week, and there wasn't much foot traffic, um, probably because these types of games uh, cater to the players with the, with the deepest pockets. You know, I was almost afraid to touch things in there because it was so, you know, it, it looked untouched. It has its own cashier's cage where, you know, it, you feel kind of, if you were able to play a game there, you feel special because you have your own cashier that you cash out if you're lucky enough to win. They have um, four parlors attached to this main salon room that has uh, 55-inch um, television screens, four slots, and really comfy leather couches. I got the opportunity to sit in one. And, um, yeah, it took five, ten minutes, you know, just to 
do some reporting on that. Um, but it, but it was it was quite interesting. It has its own butler too. I mean, if you if what do you, you get with this butler? I'm well, intrigued. Well, I I couldn't get. <laughs> into the uh, the the twenty four hour Gold's Lounge uh, that's at the back of the salon because you have to play to really get there. Um, but I could see through the windows people sitting at couches watching television, eating small meal items, drinking coffee or or beers. And uh, there's a butler there that takes your order and, and serves you, and uh, all for you know spending large amounts of cash to play slots. So. That's incredible. And so there's more than 100 of these high-limit machines. Um, yeah, I think it was something like 115 machines that, that uh, are in this in this um, salon. And a lot of them um, are different brands. So if, you, if you're a player, you, odds are you'll be able to find your specific brand. Um, if you like playing the Wolfpack machines, they're going to have at least one there. Uh, like I said, the foot traffic isn't very heavy there. So you'll probably be able to find what you're looking for if you got the money to spend. Now, when you say $5,000 a spin, I know, like, Wheel of Fortune, if it's a quarter machine, to win the, the jackpot, you have to put in 75 cents. Is this $5,000 maximum bet, or is it? I think that uh, it's up to $5,000 maximum bet. Uh, you could bet, surely, uh, below that. I'm not sure what the minimum is, um, but um, I don't think it goes much uh, higher than $5,000 a spin. I mean... That's peanuts. I only yeah. want to play the 15,000 machines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, too, I mean, imagine how much time passes between spins at the regular machines. I mean, you're talking 20 seconds, maybe even 10 seconds between spins. Can you imagine spending $5,000 that many times in an hour? No, no, I can't. I mean, you wrote that you can blow through a million bucks. And yeah, if you do the math on it and you actually sat down and had the means to do it for an hour straight, you probably could burn through that much money. Well, it must be nice. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine how many uh, lifetimes I'd have to work to be able to do that. But, I'm, you know, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Thanks so much, Ed, for joining us. We appreciate ha- you having, having you here. Happy to be here. Um, you're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio. We're part of Waking Up With The Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. That was Ed Comenda, reporter with Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow his coverage at VegasInc.com and LasVegasSun.com. Joining us now is real estate reporter Eli Siegel. Welcome, Eli. Hi, Dawn. Um, So there's been a ton of real estate news, lots of deals going on in the Valley, which is a good sign of our economy picking up, I believe. Um, Let's talk about Henderson first, Vantage Lofts, that poor, poor development. It seems to be up for sale every other month. Yeah, yeah, the development that uh, that never is fully developed, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Vantage Lofts is, uh, has a lot of potential to be a, a really spectacular project. It's, it's quite nice. It's got a real kind of trendy look to it, uh, kind of boxy. Huge, huge condo units. They're like 1,800 square feet. Uh, project, I think this started construction in like 05, 06. Uh, thing got mothballed in 2008. And then the developer, Slight Development, pushed the whole project into bankruptcy uh, later that year. And it's just been sitting there untouched ever since. And it's a, probably about 70 to 80% complete. So if you drive past it, it looks like you know, there, there is a, there's a full project there. But once you get a little closer, kind of at first glance, but then when you get closer, you see that, that things are closed and there's, there's nothing happening over there. And there was a group here in Vegas, Rothwell Gordon Companies, that bought it out of bankruptcy uh, a little more than a year ago. In February of 2012, they, they bought it out of the bankruptcy court. And they have not done anything since then for, the, for a whole year. They haven't started construction, uh, you know, to, uh, to finish it off. And then just this week on uh, on Monday the twenty what was that twenty fifth I guess they had a broker send out 
uh, flyer, a marketing brochure trying to sell it, and it's listed at uh, just a little under $14.4 million, and they are looking to have someone take it off their hands for the right price. Right, of course, always. Okay. And for re- or listeners who aren't familiar with this, this is the their sort of olive green, off-white, purple, boxy yep. complex. It's three buildings on Gibson Avenue right uh, near Horizon Ridge and Paseo Verde um, off the 215 in Henderson. And there's houses going up across the street and all around it, gangbusters, $14 million, is that a good price? Is that high? Is it low? That would seem to me to be very low. Uh, if someone were to buy it for $14.4 uh, 14, $14. million, they would probably be getting a pretty good deal. Uh, you know, it's, and it's tough to say. Uh, we, we actually don't know what Crichton, what, uh, I'm sorry, what Rothwell Gorn paid for the building because for, for whatever reason, when they bought it through bankruptcy court, the sale price was never disclosed and you can't get it through the county. But I would suspect that they paid uh, less than that, especially considering they got it a year ago when, when the economy was even worse off than it is now. And so they probably got a great discount on it. But even if you bought it at 14.4, uh, it, you'd still be getting it at a pretty good discount. But also keep in mind, the marketing brochure says it still needs another $13 million worth of construction on it. And then on top of that, this doesn't, I don't think this is mentioned in the brochure, but it's an old structure, relatively old structure that's been sitting there. You have to go through and make sure it's still, that it's still solid and you have to check, make sure, you know, none of the copper wiring has been stolen. There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that come with buying a mothballed project. It's a, it's a very risky uh, endeavor. So uh, maybe that is why the, that's just my speculation. Maybe that's why the, the price is relatively low. Absolutely. But if you do have that $30 million to burn on a, a potentially risky project, the payoff is great. I mean, when they originally proposed and built these, the Vantage Lofts, they were talking some of the units alone could be a million dollars for a yeah. condo. Yeah, they were originally priced at 400000 to $1.6 million, which there's just no way they could sell at that price right now. That just wouldn't happen. But they did, the developers did, the, the, the Rothwell Gorant, they did get approval actually in January of this year from the Henderson City Council to have the option to rent them out as apartments. So, And that might make more sense to, to have kind of a high-end rental building because there really aren't a lot of those. They're, and they're, they're kind of a handful around Henderson and around the Valley, uh, but there seems to be kind of a disparity. And I, I got a good look at this when I was searching for my apartment when I moved here last uh, last summer, that there seems to be you know a lot of very expensive apartments that you can get, particularly in downtown. And then there's uh, a lot of cheap stuff that's out there and very little in between. So if they were to finish this and rent them out as apartments, they would they would have a pretty nice development over there. And they're unlike anything else. I mean, just in terms of demand, I would imagine people who want that modern, not suburban feel might oh, be yeah. attracted to it. Yeah, it's a very stylish project. It really is. It's, it's designed very nicely. It's just is anyone going to finish it? Yeah, well, th- this is crazy. We'll have to see if, if any buyers step up. Yeah. Um, well, in another deal, we just had a, a sale of a, a quote-unquote old Rat Pack uh, apartments, and there might be some question as to what that means by Rat Pack because apparently they need some work, right? Oh, yeah, this place needs a lot of work. This is this is no Vantage Lofts, that's for sure. This place is called the uh, Rainwalk Apartments. It's over on Dumont Boulevard. It's a little side street uh, directly across the street from the Boulevard Mall. It's walking distance from the mall. And it is a 104-unit complex built in uh, 1973. And it's it's not run down, but it is definitely aged. And it is definitely, it's an old building. It needs a lot of work. It needs aesthetic work. It needs some physical upgrades. And uh, it's it's it clearly needs some needs some love that's for sure. And it was bought in November for a little under three million dollars by a group out of Arizona called Deco Communities. And they just announced recently, just within the last week, that they want to turn it into a very stylish, charming apartment 
uh, complex uh, and kind of restore it to what they described as its glory days because they said that members of the Rat Pack, among other celebrities and entertainers, actually lived there at one point. They didn't say when, but they did say that they, uh, they were occasional residents at the complex. So, uh, but it's, it's going to need a lot of work. I mean, that area has a lot of rundown apartment buildings. Uh, it's, it's certainly not the safest part of Las Vegas, uh, to, to say the least. So, uh, nor is, and it's just kind of a grungy looking place to be, to be frank. So they're going to have to do a lot of work. And they've, they said that they're going to, that they've already started a $2 million overhaul. They're going to have, uh, as they described, a hotel style leasing center, mosaic art installations, uh, refurbished laundry facilities, uh, pet walks, electric electric car charging stations, Wi-Fi rooms, new pool areas with colorful seating. I mean, they have some serious lofty goals, and it's going to take a lot of work to accomplish what they envision for this place because it's uh, it is not anywhere near what they want as well, it stands. And and what they pay for this property? Yeah, two point nine million dollars, and it's just remarkable because if you look at the property records, you go back to January of '05. I mean, talk about the. Uh, you know, hyperinflated building boom. It was sold for just a little under sixteen million dollars. Uh, you know, seven years ago. Whoever that uh, seller was is is probably counting his or her lucky stars. Oh yeah. yeah. And so, is there a market for this? I mean, especially as you described the neighborhood. We all know Boulevard Mall. It's not fashion show or no. you know the like. Are yeah. are people gonna? want to live in this sounds like if it's done to what they say beautiful hipster unit but in maybe not such a hipster area yeah it's it's tough to say because the area is not good and yeah boulevard mall is is definitely one of the lower end shopping malls in in vegas valley uh it's i mean it's nice it's got some stores but it's 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 not fashion show it's not a great high-end place or anything like that it's a pretty just kind of a basic you know basic old shopping mall but uh you know, as whether and as to whether people are going to live there, I think right now a lot of people who want that kind of hip urban lifestyle are are moving downtown and into the high rises down there. So it'll take a lot to convince people to not live downtown where there's so much activity and there's a lot of buzz and a lot of new restaurants and bars coming in that because of the Zappos moving down there to want to move to what I think anyone could say is a kind of a sketchy area. Yeah, and and no real key draw. No, no, there really aren't. Uh, and there really isn't much great retail over there or anything in the way of nightlife. I mean, you're a couple miles from the strip, but you know, same thing if you move downtown, you're also a couple miles from the strip over there. So, right. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to watch. I wish them the best of luck and it'll be curious to see if it comes to fruition and who moves in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's good to see investors coming into Vegas, at least taking a bet on a property, but this, this seems like a long, long shot. Absolutely. What's the time frame? Do we know? Uh, you know, they, I don't think they said actually, it comes to, now that I think about it. Oh, no, I take it back. I'm wrong. They, they said that they want to have people living there by this summer. Oh, this so, summer? Wow. This summer. Yeah, they want to do this pretty quickly. So uh, so we'll see if that happens. Well, good then. We'll, we'll check back sooner than I thought. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, we, you talked a lot about downtown and Zappos and the Tony Shea effect. They just made uh, another big purchase downtown. They've been snapping up these properties. They bought the Western Hotel. What What's the story there? That's right, yeah. This was definitely a low-end resort. Uh, it was built in 1970 and was known for kind of a cheap place to for slots and table games. It's just... Just an old throwback, kind of kind of low end casino and kind of old style Vegas casino. And the Tony Shea's downtown project bought it this month. And they bought it in uh, mid March for fourteen million dollars. And they haven't said what they're going to do with it, uh, but it gives them another you know good sized chunk of real estate downtown for another possible project. 
Do we think they're going to keep it a casino? I know they're not saying, but any guesses? Oh, I would be shocked. I'm, I think, you know, with a lot of the properties, they've been turning them into, uh, you know, other, other types of commercial uses, maybe for retail tenants or restaurants. Uh, I know they've turned some other buildings into housing for, uh, you know, Teach for America or, or something like that for, uh, you know, uh, for, for teachers. And so it could be housing for that. But they, they've got a lot of projects in mind that they want to do. Uh, to to really build up the tech community in downtown Vegas, and then also just just to revitalize downtown Vegas in general. So it, it could be one of a number of things. But I, I you know I don't think they have a gaming license, so I I would be shocked if they decided to keep the casino and and run it as a casino. I I would be just stunned if they if they decide to do that. I it's probably they might even tear it down to to build something new in its place. Maybe some you know some kind of mixed retail office office building that kind of like Container Park and some other projects that they have downtown. Right. Yeah. No casinos don't seem to work in to the happiness effect or the Tony Shea model. Um, and this was sold by Tamaris Properties, uh, which owns the plaza and several other holdings downtown. That's right, yeah. Tamaris is a group based out of New York. It's a real estate investment firm. They, As you said, they own the plaza, and they, they did a big renovation over there a couple of years ago. I think it was like a $35 million project. Uh, they own some really choice retail property in the Fremont East District, which is re- like really the heart of the Zappos revitalization right now. This uh, is kind of where the retail boom is at Sixth and uh, Sixth Street and, and Fremont Street, and they own uh, they own a number of uh, properties over there. So they're 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 a big landlord and uh, in general, and they own some good properties downtown. So they're they're certainly not backing out of Vegas by by selling this, not by any means. Absolutely. Well, that'll be interesting. That'll be one to watch. I'm sure something cool will happen. I, we don't know what yet, but yeah. um, well, let's let's switch gears in our last couple of minutes. Good news for Boulder City Hospital. Um, they recently got a, a shot in the arm that sounds like it's basically going to save them. It could, yeah. They uh, now this is a, a very small hospital down in Boulder City. It's a nonprofit hospital that has been losing money every year for the last ten or twelve years. And they, in the last couple of months, arranged a $14 million loan with the U.S. Department of Agriculture to finance a pretty big expansion and renovation project down there. And the USDA, they're also guaranteeing a $2.5 million loan from a, from a lender out of California. So it's a you know, $16 million project, and they're getting a couple of new units, a bigger emergency room, a, a, an improved uh, surgical center. So it's a, it's a good project for this hospital. And I know you reported they had had trouble finding financing. They couldn't get a loan. They couldn't get the taxpayers to pony up dollars. Right. Yeah, four years ago, five years ago now, I guess it was, Boulder City voters uh, rejected a ballot measure that would have provided, I think, up to about three-quarters of a million dollars a year in additional financing for the hospital through kind of a tax financing district, and they shot it down. And so the hospital, basically their main source of revenue is uh, patient payments, and it's they're in a they're in a tough spot though because they're only about fifteen or twenty minutes from Henderson and Las Vegas where you you get a number of world class uh, much larger hospitals with a lot more departments a lot more just just a lot more options for for different care and it, you know Boulder City Hospital is very small I mean it's literally a one story kind of low slung brick hospital built in the seventies and it's it's certainly not a Saint Rose Dominican or a you know Mountain View Hospital which are very large kind of imposing you know, state of the art towers that have a lot of different departments. So, and then, yeah, so uh, they couldn't, the CEO of the hospital told me that he cert, he talked to local uh, commercial bankers for a year and could not get a loan to finance the construction, uh, you know, f- to, for this project because their finances are, are just too weak right now. So they were able to reach a deal with the 
Department of Agriculture of all, of all agencies, and they do. It's not uncommon for them to do hospital financing. They do uh, a range of projects, not just for uh, for farmers, but they, they do a lot of stuff in rural areas. And even though Boulder City is not far from Vegas, it is because it's so small. It is technically classified as a rural city, so it can qualify for these for these financing programs. And they got a government loan to to do this project. Well, that's good news. Um, when do they expect these uh, renovations to begin? The, in the next couple of months, sometime this spring. And they it's, they said it's about an eighteen to twenty four month build out so it should be done uh, should be done probably late next year at the earliest well great great news for our friends down in boulder city oh, yeah, and absolutely good government at work um well thanks so much eli thanks for being here with us today oh you're welcome don thanks a lot you're listening to vegas inc radio we're part of waking up with the sun you can follow all our coverage at vegasinc.com or lasvegassun.com thanks to our producer steven zeller and the entire kunb team and thanks to you for listening enjoy your day